Ideas are the new currency. Check it out and let's listen to James Altucher, author of Choose Yourself, on this episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz. My guest today is James Altucher. He is an American hedge fund manager, entrepreneur, best-selling author, and podcaster. He's founded or co-founded more than 20 companies and is fond of telling people they should choose themselves or more specifically, choose yourself. So James, thanks for joining me. John, uh, thanks so much for having me on your podcast. This is really great. So your story, <clears throat> if I can just put it out there, is a little bit, reading your story uh, and the, the timeline that you put out there, it's a little like watching a car wreck. Um, yes. It, it's bloody and gory, but you just can't take your eyes off of it. <laughs> so your your storytelling is amazing. Have you have you written a fiction book? No, I mean, I I have in my younger, in my younger uh, audacious, audacious yeah. days, but, uh, uh, nothing publishable. Okay. Well, I, but think... I will, but it's on my schedule though. Yeah, I want to, yeah. I really want to write fiction. Yeah. I, I mean it, I, I think you'll be good at it. So I'm not surprised. Um, Thank you. so did choose yourself come out of the, the book itself and the work, uh, around the book? Did that come out of uh, a personal epiphany or was it just kind of something after the fact you realized you had done? No, it really, it, it, you know, often I tell people that the best writing is not directed at an audience necessarily. It's directed at, it comes from something you had a problem with yeah. and, and, and then you solved it and you kind of document the process in the book. So I think I had a problem choosing myself. I was always trying to, to get the approval of others, whether it's uh, an educational system or a boss or my colleagues, or a book publisher, or a television company, you know, or or somebody wanted to buy a company or an investment, you know. So I was always, I always felt like I was selling myself instead of choosing myself that I can do these things without trying to please so many people. And so that kind of implies work needs to happen on the inside, so you have the confidence, and then work needs to happen on the outside, so you use kind of the tools that society has available for you, so you can choose yourself. But a lot of it came out because when I did follow the normal, so-called normal path, I built up a company, I sold it, and then everything basically went to hell. And I, I went, I got totally broke. I lost my house, lost my family, lost everything. And I had to really ask myself, well, I did every, I thought I did everything right. Like what happened? And I had to pick myself off the floor. And instead of looking at it negatively or cynically, I had to really try to grow into into the sort of person who can choose himself because no one else was choosing me at that point. <laughs> well, you, you have over the last few years, I, I believe at least, um, created a brand out of being, I don't know, honest um, <laughs> about what's going on in your life and what you see the world. And I think I think most great brands actually do that, but in doing it, they probably create some lovers and some haters. Um, because that's, that's really what I think solidifies the brand is that they've, you know, they've got people butting heads over what it's, what it means. So who, who do you, who were your haters? Uh, it was, it was really interesting because there was like layers and layers of hate, uh, all along the way. Um, 
I mean, initially when I started, you know, I come from like the, uh, uh, well, I originally I came from a software background, then an entertainment background, but then I was in the financial space for right. while I had a hedge fund. I was going on, um, CNBC and Fox business and writing for the wall street journal and the financial times. And I, I wrote about six or seven investing books. And when I started writing about failures that I had personally experienced, uh, in business or in investing or whatever, People are like, you can't, you can't say that. You're not, you, you, you. No one's gonna ever invest with you if you say you, you, you have at some point failed at investing. Right. Well, let me tell you, John. Every single person in on Wall Street has failed at some point. Like right. that's just part of life. I'm sure you've failed at at businesses in the past. I mean, it's just sure. that happens. Yeah. So, so, so the first la- layer were the people who it was like almost like a sin. You can't admit failure. You have to pretend to be perfect. So that's kind of like the whole financial news crowd. You have to pretend every opinion you have is is kind of dusted with with gold and can't be touched. Yep. And yep. then, um, you know, the next layer was when I started writing um, really like intensely personal stuff about myself and about my relationships and about all these things that some people – who were close to me were kind of embarrassed, like not because I was writing about them. I would never write anything bad about anyone else. I would only write bad things about myself. But even like family members were, were like shocked. Like, what are you, what are you saying about yourself? Like, it's gonna, it's embarrassing to the fa- to your, to your mother, or to your yeah, sister, you're, or whatever. You're now a failure and a freak. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, you know, even my, even my daughters have like they have like because they're. Fr- friends parents read my stuff so sometimes their friends will come up to them and they'll and they'll be like Josie is your dad homeless <laughs> and um you know and then then there was the next layer which is I would write about I would freely write about my opinions of things and you know I might have some offbeat opinions and so uh uh I lost friends who disagreed with me now I was oh I'm I would say to people like I would call I, one person. I w- was very angry at me and said, "We cannot talk ever again." And it was over uh, what I thought was a very kind of innocuous sort of opinion that I had. And I called him up and I and he he said, "You know, James, you're X Y Z because of this opinion." And I'm like, Chet, uh, his name was Chet. I said, "How could you uh, say that? Like, what? We've been friends for twenty years. We've been in the trenches ever since we were undergrads together in the late '80s. Like, how could you say that to me? Why didn't you just call me and ask me that, that if that's how I really felt?" And he just he didn't answer, and that was the end of that. I've lost several friends because of that. And and then finally, there are people who just there's kind of like those are all people close to me. So then there's finally like just in terms of audience. People who are like, well, that guy's just an idiot or that guy's freakish for saying all this stuff. I'm just going to hate him because I like to hate people. <laughs> so if you have a lot of people like you, it's inevitable that, you know, uh, you know, 10 percent of them or more are going to totally hate you with with passion. Well, and, and I contend that the, that the level of that passion is actually what makes the brand. Um, you know, love uh, and hate. Like, <laughs> like, look, you've you've created a brand with with duct tape marketing ever since your your excellent book came out. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, but nobody hates me. <laughs> I don't have enough people hating me. Dang it! I, I but I bet you though, people say, "Look, that's not the way I would do marketing." Yeah. Like, I'm sure people sure, sure, read sure. it and thought to themselves, "Like, oh, this guy doesn't know how to market." 
Yeah, no, no, no question. So you mentioned your daughters, and I assume that you are uh, dutifully um, saving for their college uh, so they can graduate with probably postgraduate degrees and go on and get a job in a large corporation, right? <laughs> so obviously, you know, one of my books is uh, 40 Alternatives to College. Like I'm very much against the idea of anybody going to college. And in fact, if you look at um, the New York Times today, which I did not do, but, but this article was sent to me, uh, uh, there, there's a whole article, I guess, in the front page of one of the sections or maybe the front page of the Times, uh, how the college admissions process is just this one big gameable scam. And so it just it just furthers my argument that, you know, what's important now in today's world, the world is changing really fast. Yeah. And so what's yeah. important now is is developing skills as opposed to uh, a paper certificate. Now, you can argue, well, if you if you're going to get brain surgery, don't you want your brain surgeon to graduate from Harvard Medical School? I get that question all the time. And uh, my real answer is. Just don't be an idiot. Like, of course, it legally you're required to have a de degree and a medical degree before you can operate on someone. But if I want someone to program a website for me or program uh, a device or whatever, or I don't know, take a photograph for me or do a shoot a movie for me or whatever you might want someone to do. I don't need them to have a degree. I just need them to be really skilled at what they do. Well, and I tell you, the tough thing is, particularly today, uh, you know, these kids are coming out with $200,000 in debt. So, like, the financial investment even, you know, aspect of that, I think, has to be weighed now more than just the piece of paper. Totally. I mean, college tuitions, there's, like, so many statistics about this, but, like, you just mentioned one. And then, but college tuitions have gone up faster than inflation every single year, not on average, but every single year since 1977. So like like college presidents know what they're doing. The, the federal government is backing student loans. So yeah, yeah. and the federal government says you can't you can't get rid of a, a loan out of bankruptcy. So tuitions, uh, college presidents just raise tuitions right. with with like blind abandon, uh, not even caring how they're just destroying the future career prospects of, of their graduating students. It's that point in the show where I'm going to tell you that this episode is brought to you by Magic Jack for Business. It is a really cool new way to do phones. Phoning for a small business, for a salesperson, it's your lifeline. Get an unbeatable phone service. Get the reliability of a phone service for much, much less. Magic Jack for Business is like taking your phones to the cloud. You get state-of-the-art technology, whether you need one line or 50. Check it out at magicjackforbusiness slash duct tape, and you're going to get two free months because you're a listener of mine. And if you're one of the first 100 to sign up, you're going to get a free phone too. So check it out at magicjackforbusiness.com slash duct tape. All right, let's 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 move on to a happy topic. Um, you <laughs> that have, was a happy topic. Yeah, I know it was a happy topic. Some people don't want to hear it though. But the uh, uh, there's a practice that you talk about all the time, and and you really, I think it's probably the, maybe a cornerstone of of choose yourself, um, and it's one that I've. I've actually gotten. I've, I've been. I didn't realize I was doing it for years, but uh, after reading some of your work, I got very serious and methodical about it. And that's this idea of of idea um, practice. So you know, creating whatever it is, ten, twenty ideas every morning is kind of one of your your morning uh, rituals. And I, I I think 
I think people don't realize, especially if they've been in business for any amount of time, that that's really the only currency there is left. It's so true. I mean, in the uh, in the 21st century, ideas are the new currency. And I, I can give you my specific examples. Like when I was, so I have a book coming out January 5th, just so you know, it's called Reinvent Yourself. And when I was in the process of reinventing myself to have a financial career, I, I, first thing I did was I sent out emails to 40 of my heroes in the financial space, like hedge fund managers, great investors, great writers in the finance, financial media. And I got zero responses. Nobody even said no thanks. <laughs> I, I, I offered everybody, I'll buy you a cup of coffee if I could pick your brain. And no, nobody responded at all, not a single response. And so I, I was thinking about what was happening. And of course, I thought to myself, why would Warren Buffett suddenly say to you know, out loud, Gladys, you know, hold all my meetings. James Altucher is going to buy me a cup of coffee and pick my brain. Like he would have no reason to respond to me. So what I started doing for myself is coming up with 10, writing down 10 ideas a day. It doesn't have to be good ideas because you can't come up with 3,650 good ideas a year, but just, I needed to exercise this idea muscle because it atrophies incredibly quickly. Creativity, if you don't exercise it every day, will totally atrophy. And then, um, I started to build up what I call this idea muscle and they could be ideas for books. They could be ideas for businesses. They could be ideas for gifts. I want to give my kids. And again, I just throw them out. It's just, uh, uh, it's just an exercise yeah. to, to, to practice. Like, and, I, and I think that's a great word, uh, exercise. It's like exercise. I mean, what it does for you is like physical exercise, in my opinion. Yeah, because people ask me, do, do you keep track of them? And I say no, because if it's a good idea, it'll kind of pop up yeah. later on anyway yeah. in the next I- idea list or maybe six months down the road while it's germinated in my head and I get more creative. And, as you know, the idea muscle grows all the time. There's no end to it. So, So then what I started doing was – for all the people I wanted to meet, I wrote down, I researched them thoroughly, even more thoroughly than I had before, and I wrote 10 ideas for how Warren Buffett can invest better. Or here's 10 ideas for investments Warren Buffett could, could make. And and then I, I sent to all these people, like maybe it was like 20 people at that point, I sent to 20 people 10 ideas to how they can improve their business or investments or their writing, like 10 ideas for articles they could write. And... Uh, uh, and I didn't ask for anything in return. I didn't say, I'll, I'll buy you a cup of coffee. I just said, here's 10. I, I really admire you. Here's 10 ideas for you. I've been thinking about your business. Here's how I prepared. Here's why I think these are 10 good ideas for you and so on. And out of the 20, three people responded. One of those people, um, I was a, a writer and I said, here's 10 ideas for articles you can write. And he wrote back, this is great. Why don't you write them? And he hired me to write. And I've been writing. Uh, uh, I started me writing about finance. And I ended up writing six books about finance. Uh, another person I gave software to. Here's 10 software programs, the whole software. And I'll explain how they work. So you can, and it goes along the strategy of your hedge fund. And he wrote back, this is great. It doesn't go along with the strategy of my hedge fund. But how about I allocate personal money to you? Um, to trade. And so that's how I started a hedge fund was with this person's money. And the third person, uh, I didn't write, I didn't write him back. He wrote me back and said, yeah, sure. I'd love to have coffee with you. And I didn't write him back for 12 years. <laughs> and then I finally replied and said, I'm sorry. It took 12 years to respond, but can you come on my podcast? And that's when Nassim Taleb came on my podcast. That's funny. And, and, and the inflation on coffee at that point was, was probably huge. 
Um, it's true. Well, I'm glad. The podcast is much cheaper for me to do than the coffee. You know, you mentioned the podcast, and it's interesting. I've actually always looked at my podcast in some ways uh, that way, uh, that, that you know, when I wanted to have Seth Godin write a blurb for my first book, uh, I had him on my podcast and, and because he had a book coming out. So I was able to give him some exposure or something he wanted, and, and that was how we started a relationship rather than me just writing to him out of the blue and saying, hey, I want to pick your brain. Um, I, I've always felt that the podcast was a great relationship building tool. It, it is a, it is a great tool and it's a great, like I'm a little bit of a, an introvert. So right, right. It, it gives me a great opportunity to now to call up, like, let's say I read a, a book that I just, you know, let's say some hero of mine writes a book. So you mentioned Seth Godin, Seth Godin writes all these great books, but I have questions. Like you can't, it doesn't, the book doesn't answer all my questions. So I'm able to call him up and say, uh, Hey, you want to come on my podcast and I'll, you know, we could talk about your book and you know, he's not in it for personal promotion, but it does give me a chance to ask all these questions and, and that I have and, and build a relationship at the same time. So a podcast is a great tool for that. Yeah. Well, and I also think that you're, you're producing great content too, because you're very thoughtful. You've read the book. You have great questions. So, I mean, you're you're going to help Seth produce some great content that maybe nobody else is asking or thinking, or or maybe they are thinking but don't get the chance to ask. So, I think you're that doing, could be doing like well. when yeah. Seth sees how I do everything wrong. I always <laughs> notice the next day. Don't do things this way. So, <laughs> I love Seth. No, he, has, he has no problem telling you uh, that, that you should do something a certain way. He's awesome. Um, all right. So, a question I bet you also get asked because of the way you write and what you write about. What business should I start? Well, it's a great question because this is a a, a moving target. Yeah. I mean, I saw a help wanted ad just yesterday for uh, a self driving car engineer. Yeah. Now, who would have thought, even like I don't know, even three years ago, that that would actually be a job description? Like that that would be something I would need the skill at an engineer for self-driving cars. Like that's like science fiction. It still sounds like science fiction even thinking about that ad. Well, I saw uh, I saw an ad for um, some company was hiring several drone operators. You know, there's another yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, drone operators or, or look, I, I don't think it's such a bad idea to come up with uh, businesses around, you know, drones or 3D printing or virtual reality or AI or robotics yep, or yep. big data analysis. You know, but those are hard those are hard businesses to get at the heart of, but there are ancillary businesses to, to those, to any industry that starts, there's the core business and then there's ancillary businesses. So for instance, I can write uh, a newsletter. Here's the jobs uh, available in the VR industry. Right. And right. Um, I can be, I could then set up a, I can make that a subscription newsletter and then I could set up a headhunting agency just for virtual reality jobs. Like I could be, the guy in the space. And so thinking about Peter Thiel's book, uh, zero to one that could, you know, he says, find the monopoly. Like it's small enough that you have a monopoly in the space and then you could start scaling, you know, avoid competition at first. So that could be like maybe my niche category that I'm going to be a headhunter and newsletter for VR jobs. And that'll be my ancillary business out of this huge growing trend that uh, I'm going to specialize in, and then I, I could build from there. So I'm just I'm just making stuff up. But yep. you know, think think about the trends that are happening. Um, everything from you know alternative energy to VR, 3D printing, drones, robotics, plant based foods, uh, and so on. And then think and don't think about the core, uh, but think about ancillary businesses that could start up. Like for instance, self publishing 
you know, there's a million books a year now maybe that are self-published. People publish directly to Amazon instead of going through a publisher. Well, somebody who's self-publishing still needs a book designer, still needs an editor, still needs an interior designer, still needs publicity, um, might need rewriting or ghostwriting or need help uh, dealing with Amazon. So there's, there's, uh, I just listed like five ancillary businesses to what's uh, already a billion-dollar industry. Yeah, one of the, one of the things that I run up against, it's probably even sadder than people that are stuck in jobs that they went and applied for, and that's people that start businesses and they basically create a job um, that is a really crappy job, and they and the worst part is they can't quit it. <laughs> so right. you know, how do how, do you, do you? And I know you don't do a lot of consulting with businesses along those lines, but you know, what what would be your advice for somebody who's kind of stuck in a business doing it the way that it's always been done? You know, how can that person restart? You know, uh, I go through this a lot personally, and I think um, you know, a little bit that's the subject of my coming book, Reinvent Yourself, which is not all, only about – really, it's about personal reinvention. But that, that leads to how you might reinvent your business if you have uh, a business and so on. And it's, it's very difficult because you're doing what, – what, what you've done in the past, you're, whether you like it or not, you're comfortable with it. Because there's certainty. I know I'm going to get up and deal with these customers and do these things, yeah. whether I like it or not. Right. But at least right. it's at least there's certainty. And uh, the human brain hates uncertainty. Like you know, on election night when we weren't sure who was going to win, and maybe it would even be a contested race, or people were afraid about Donald Trump. The stock market went down yeah. a thousand points because of the uncertainty, and then it went back up once we had a certain result. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it's the same thing with reinvention. Like it's really scary to make that leap. And so I don't I, 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 I don't say do do this, but think in these terms. Think of A, building up your idea muscle as we talked about, because a byproduct of that is that you'll start get, getting ideas almost immediately on how to reinvent your business. Like that will just happen. And then the other thing is look for what I call a, a plus equal minus. So a plus is both real and virtual mentors. So people who have successfully reinvented their own businesses and maybe similar to yours, talk to them or study their examples if you don't know them personally. So if, they're, if they're, it could be a virtual mentor. So you could read about how Steve Jobs repeatedly reinvented Pixar until it became a movie-making company. Steve Jobs repeatedly invented, reinvented Apple uh, until he became like basically a music company. So <laughs> – you know, and then a phone company. Um, so, so that those are extreme examples because that's you know he's a billionaire. But there's many, 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 many uh, smaller examples that you could study and get virtual mentorship from. Then, um, I then find your equals, find other people in your space, your competitors, and have lunch or dinner with them. Mm -hmm. Challenge each other. Understand what the space is like. When I, I used to run a, a web development agency in, in the 90s, I'd have lunch or dinner with my competitors all the time. And we would talk about clients, strategies, technologies. You know, it was a big, wide, open area. So we, weren't, we knew we were competing against each other often the very next day for clients, but it was also a big enough pie. So, so find your equals and challenge each other and learn from each other. Or go to conferences and learn at the conferences. You know, like go to an internet marketing conference, you know, learn what the latest techniques are. Go to a virtual reality conference if that's your space. Whatever it is, go to a writing conference, um, and then finally the a minus, teach what you know. So if you run a, if you run a chain of laundromats and you're getting tired of it, uh, you know a laundromat's actually an exciting business. It's a cash business. Uh, 
it's 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 scalable by you know using leverage and buying new laundromats in good locations. So start teaching people how they can go in business for themselves owning laundromats. Uh, maybe that will result in a business. Oh, I'm going to make a course about how to uh, make six figures a year on on laundromats. So there's ancillary businesses that could come from teaching people, but it also solidifies what you're learning from the pluses. So when you teach what you learn, that solidifies it even further. Yeah. So so find your plus minus equal. Keep your exercise idea muscle exercise and keep healthy because if you're sick in bed, obviously you can't reinvent your business. You have to stay healthy and do all the things it takes to stay healthy. Yeah, and even though this uh, entrepreneur stuff is a lot of fun, it's uh, pretty demanding too. So <laughs> you, it's demanding. You, <laughs> it's stressful. It's uh, it's uh, uh, scary. Yeah. Uh, it's it, there's lots of things wrong with entrepreneurship. So <laughs> you don't have to be an entrepreneur either. By the way, you could be uh, an entrepreneur within your business, yeah. and you can you know with a, as an employee, and, or you could um you know be a, what's called a lifestyle entrepreneur, like figure out ways like write lots of books or or be a virtual assistant there's lots of things you can do that are not quite full-blown entrepreneurship yeah but 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 you control have a little more control i think that's probably right one of the exactly things. yeah so um in addition to uh, the books we've talked about um i, I know you have a couple i want to share your uh, a couple of your premium products your newsletter i love getting your newsletter and even um, the, the only thing I do hate about it is that you generally, uh, forces me to go out and buy four or five books, um, you know, on the spot, but that, 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 that'll never hurt me, will it? Because well, I always recommend books that I've been reading yeah. that, that I like. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, I, I love that because when, when people are voracious readers and, and I kind of like dig their point of view, it's like, yeah, I can trust that recommendation. That'll be something that'll be good. And I also love that you don't just talk about business books. You really expand out into some, some other topics. And I think some of the best learning you can do is to reach outside your industry. Absolutely. I mean, I would say I hardly recommend business books because yeah. uh, I think it's really a valuable thing when you could take an idea from one industry and an idea from another industry or, or way of life and combine them and see what the result is. And so I'm always recommending books in, in other areas of life. So where can people find all, all of the, uh, the great nuggets that you put out there? Well, jamesaltucher.com, A-L-T-U-C-H-E-R.com, or my book, uh, Reinvent Yourself on Amazon, uh, coming out January 5th, or my podcast, The James Altucher Show. Any of these places, and you'll you'll find out all about me. And we'll have a link to uh, all of those places in a, in uh, in addition to the book as well um, when we uh, publish the show. So, James, it was a real treat to uh, to get to meet you in person. And I know that you have this hard and fast rule that you know you if you don't like people, you don't hang out with them. So, hope but hopefully you'll hang out with me again. E Excellent, I sure will, John. I really appreciate <laughs> this. Thanks so much. All right, take care. You too. Bye. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, 
Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.